we are not selling any kind of like special sauce. We're not selling, it's probably the wrong analogy to use when you're talking about like getting pregnant, special, I don't know. (laughs) We're not selling like big promises, but what we did, I I don't know that people that are not in the, the field or fields that the three of us are in, I don't think people know how how much it is needed that we verify the information that we are repeating to other people. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knabel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We are so excited this week to have Liz Wolf here with us. And when we got to record this episode, it was just a wonderful conversation between three women talking about motherhood and then this amazing resource that Liz has created in baby making and beyond, which honestly, I wish I had when I was going through my fertility and prenatal and postpartum journey. And so we hope that that finding this resource is going to be incredible for you. And so just to tell you a little bit about Liz briefly, she's an author, a podcaster, a parent, and nutritional therapy practitioner who is passionate about real food, safe beauty, and healthy families. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, the Purely Primal Skincare Guide, and she's currently working three years in on a comprehensive program called Baby Making and Beyond. And I think it might be four years in at this point, but this program beta launched uh, last month and will hopefully be available for the second iteration uh, and available to the public again in either January or February of 2019. And this program really gives parents everything they need to know with how to thrive through fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. So we're so excited to welcome Liz to the show. Your, your space tends to be like in safe beauty and skincare, but also in this place for like prenatal and postpartum health and that whole journey as a parent. And I love your perspective that you've offered over the years of just being like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to try and consult the experts and really get at you know, like where that good information can come from and sort through the science. Like, so I think, and I'm guessing that's why baby making and beyond has taken a hot minute to come Mm -hmm. to us as a resource because you just won't, there's so much, you just won't rest until everything is like, not necessarily like absolutely perfect because it would just never come out, but no um, stone unturned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that really intense research mode that you go into. Fantastic. Anyways, thank you. We're really excited that you're here and we're so excited that we finally get to talk about baby making beyond. Well, I'm excited too. And I'm also excited that we just get to like have a conversation because I don't think we've been in the same room together since since May. Mini, was that Mini, uh, Minneapolis? Yeah. 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 Minneapolis, Minneapolis. And then prior to that was the NTA conference. So. Yeah. So it's good to see. I mean, I know we're not in the same room, but it's good to see your faces. 
Yes, love. As close as we're going to get, right? <laughs> yeah. Close enough. Oh, my goodness. So I, like, Liz, if you want to just share a little bit more about you and kind of, like, your journey to, like, what inspired you to create Baby Making and Beyond in the first place, I think that our listeners would love to hear more about that. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know how far back to go, but as you said, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. I wrote Eat the Yolks, like, the maybe five years ago. I'm not sure. And I feel like what I've been doing professionally has kind of followed what I'm doing personally. So when I wrote the book, I was really heavily invested in, as I guess, as usual, research and trying to figure out how we got here as far as what we eat and why and why we think or why we thought, you know, whole grains and canola oil and soy protein were good ideas at any point and why we never really questioned it. So that's a lot of what my book was about. It was really kind of engaged in that research, probably why that took me a couple of years. And I kind of like to think of my book as, I don't know, it's probably silly, but I'm like, I'm the poor man's Michael Pollan. Like it's casual. There's information there about (laughs) real food, but you know, it's like Liz Lemon meets Michael Pollan maybe. <laughs> there are references, but there's there's like a whole reference section, but there's also references to like the Princess Bride and, you know, things like no, that. No, it makes it so relatable. And like like Cassie was saying, such an like easy thing to read through. I think when things become so clinical mm-hmm. and so scientific that the mass majority of the population just turns off. They're like, um, God. I agree. But you, you add a little Princess Bride in there. Oh I mean, my how gosh. Can you not I feel re-engage? like a lot of food like, writing is so stodgy and just, I, I don't yeah. know. And, and of course, you know, we're all kind of um, wondering where the heck the food system is going and if we're really going to be able to tip the scales towards sustainability. And so there are a lot of people writing about food that are just angry, you know, and I get why. <laughs> I totally get it. We're like cutting down rainforests to mass produce beef in Brazil. It's just terrible. But, you know, if somebody can bring a little humor to it, you know, I feel like that's kind of my jam. And so that was really what I was doing then, really kind of into food. And then at a certain point, I I realized that what you put on your body is probably about as important as what you put in it for various reasons. We know now, you know, there are certain compounds and personal care products that are known to disrupt hormones. Um, There are others that may disrupt hormones that we're still, you know, research is still in progress. There are known irritants. There are ingredients in everyday skincare products that disrupt the skin's microbiome. And so I started getting really into safer skincare and I started out really crunchy And then I started to feel like as I got a little older (laughs) that I wanted something a little more performance oriented that was still safe. And I'd hoped to start my own skincare line. But then, as you guys know, I sorry if I'm bringing this up, but I found Beauty Counter and I was like, well, they already did that. So I'm just going to jump on board with Beauty Counter. (laughs) Not only that, but being in the inside, you see how much work and money and effort goes into it. And I'm like, I have people say the same thing to me. And I'm just like, I'm... I'm really happy to be a part of something where I'm not putting all of the money, yes. the millions of dollars and the research and the effort and like, cause it really takes a mammoth effort to really do it right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On both sides, on the research and development side, and then on just the packing and shipping side. I mean, it's oh just, word. it's oh crazy. Gosh. Keeping inventory. All of it is so crazy. Oh my gosh. I can't even well, imagine. I was honestly, I was pretty floored and um, just full disclosure to everybody. I'm on Liz's beauty counter team and that's how I was introduced to beauty counter. And when I was, I felt like you had been in that safe skincare space for such a long time already Mm -hmm. that I really took notice when you took notice to what beauty counter was up to and got involved. And I was like, okay, this is someone I really respect 
and um, look up to. And this is something that they're looking into. Like, I've got to check it out now. And that's what made me take a look was, you know, having access to you before with like the skin intervention guide, which turned it in the purely primal skincare guide. And that whole, oh my gosh, I do too. (laughs) I'm so bummed that that didn't stay a thing, but I know. Yeah. You know. Um, But anyways, I, that whole process to me, like there was such a great connection between, you know, how you look and feel on the outside versus how you look and feel, you know, on the inside and all of that. And the skincare piece of it was one that I just didn't have that piece to the puzzle for my client base. Mm -hmm. And when you finally presented the solution that was not just, you know, trying to go to like 10 different websites to get one thing from each website and not get anything else there because it either wasn't safe or sucked, like just didn't perform well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was so happy when you just presented it as a resource to, to point people toward for like, Hey, everything that you find here is going to be safe. Yeah. So And that, that was good. That felt really good for me too, because my original skincare guide had like 75,000 outbound links. Like you can get this here and you can get that there. And then this here. And like, at a certain point, people just want like, give me your top three brands. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Primally pure beauty counter, hundred percent pure. Like go find anything you need there. They've all, they've all got something. So that, that was good. And they're all different. You know, primally pure is a little more naturally oriented, you know, herbs and extracts and oils. And then you've got kind of the performance side and, you know, you can kind of blend all of them. It's kind of nice. It's a well-rounded um, trio there. I think yeah, so. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the third spot is like, I, I wibble a little bit on that, but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, and then after the skincare stuff, we started a family and I was, you know, once again, kind of tirelessly, tirelessly researching everything that I possibly could about parenthood. And what's funny is I announced that I was working on this baby making and beyond project when I was pregnant, I think. And my daughter is now three and a half. And I'm sure you guys have heard this expression before, but I was the best parent in the world until I became one. I thought I knew everything. I thought I had done enough research. Knocking you on your butt, doesn't it? Oh my gosh. I was knocked on my butt. It was so humbling. And you know, my daughter is my teacher. She's been my teacher since the day she was born, but I was definitely knocked on my butt for like two years, maybe two and a half years. And there was work getting done, but it was not being brought together because at a certain point you have to stop researching and you have to write it up so people can delve into it. And baby making and beyond is kind of a, it's kind of a survey course, what we wanted. And I'm not the expert. I'm not the person that's coming up with all of the information. I write it because that's my talent. I'm good at synthesizing research and communicating. That's, that's kind of my talent. And so what we have is a research team. I partnered with Meg, who is a midwife in Canada. What's cool about that is in Canada, midwives work in hospital settings and at home. So Versus the United States, and this is changing a little bit, I'm told, but in the United States, there are home birth midwives and there are hospital midwives. Yeah, very different. Yes, very different. And the cool thing about Meg is that as a midwife in Canada, she has been in the room and attended C-sections. I don't know if attended is the right word. That might be just for doctors. I don't know. But she's been (laughs) in the room when her clients have had to have C-sections for various reasons. And she's been at home when babies have been born completely naturally into, you know, the tub of water or whatever you want to, whatever your, your flavor is. And so she's really seen everything. And then we brought in this team of researchers to basically just ask questions. And I, 
consider myself, I guess, the mom in chief. So when I have a question, I get to ask one of these researchers to find out for me. And that's been amazing. What mom doesn't want like a, a researcher on, on speed dial? And that's what I'm hoping to provide for people all the way across fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. Kind of this survey course where people feel like, you know, if they have a trusted group of people that are putting this together for them, we're ad-free. So you know that nothing we're putting out there is out there just as clickbait. Because I think that's what people find a lot, especially in parenthood. Parents, I know I was many times, so desperate for an answer about anything. I mean, you name it, that I would Google it. And what would pop up a lot of the times would be clickbait or, um, you know, high search ranking strings of words, you know, that would either scare the crap out of me or, you know, would cause me to click on this product that they were advertising. And I just didn't want any of that. I really wanted a trusted resource. I wouldn't say it's like the sexiest program, but I feel like we have a <laughs> lot of truth in there and it's been exciting. We're in beta testing right now. So people, including you guys have been able to access it. Hopefully Cassie, I don't know if I sent you your login or not, but you're in if you want to be in. <laughs> yep. I'm in. Okay. Good. She's like, oh. I'm in. <laughs> good. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I know. I feel like there's a massive difference between an SEO website that's like SEO optimized mm -hmm. and like actual like legit information. Yeah. And I think that's where the blogging world has kind of taken off and where I hope that people have seen that as a resource between you and a lot of the colleagues that you work with is that you guys are legit. And well, thanks. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, you guys are legit. And I think the research is you and I've had so many fun conversations over skincare and I don't know many people that I can have those nerdy conversations with. <laughs> well, that means a lot too, because you are like, you would be my research team. You know what I mean? Like having worked in the med spa world and everything that, you know, like you would be the person. And so feeling like I've been able to track down some of the same stuff that you, that you know, is very affirming. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think it's so cool that you're, 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 you're turning into this cool like collector of people I really value people that are collectors of people like people that can collect others means that they're respected it means that they've done their research it means it means other people can trust what's happening I mean there's just so many good things about this program that I'm excited to learn more about because I think Cassie knows a little bit more than me because I, I think we've only known each other for two years Weird. So I hopped in. Yeah, weird, right? I feel like I've known you a little <laughs> longer than that, but it's only, I know you said you wrote your book five years ago and I was I like, I think Gosh. so. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah. It's 2018. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's like, I jumped right in the middle of kind of your journey and I actually didn't know about the program until you were announcing it a little bit more, but mm -hmm. you were still in that research stage. So Cassie, when she saw you announcing it, she was like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, she started talking what? about it when I was pregnant with little man, oh my which gosh. was like, he's going on his third birthday. So I was like, I mean, which again, like just speaks to like how much effort you put into a program like that and how it's just your nature to like take your time and really sift through resources, which I think is incredible. But I have been waiting with breath for a long time. And I think it's so funny because there were a few of us, uh, my friends and I, who are kind of all pregnant around the same time. And we we're like, oh, thank God Liz is creating this resource for us. Now we know where to go <laughs> and what to do. No. And now we're all like, thank God it's going to be there for the second baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second. We're, people are on second, baby third kids two. right now. I'm like, sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, you know what? You just can't apologize for that kind of stuff because it's going to uh, just don't apologize out. for quality. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's, just it's, gonna... it's interesting. because So here's the thing. 
we are not selling any kind of like special sauce. We're not selling. So that's probably the wrong analogy to use when you're talking about like getting pregnant special. I don't know. <laughs> We're not selling like big promises, but what we did, I, I don't know that people that are not in the, the field or fields that the three of us are in. I don't think people know how, how much it is needed that we verify the information that we are repeating to other people. And how little information that is being repeated is often verified. So that was the thing, right? I don't know that everything in our program is surprising or mind blowing, but it is rigorously studied and verified. And there are certain things that are being consistently repeated by people in our community that are just flat wrong at worst and unproven at best. And that was kind of what was surprising to us. So if you go in and you're like, well, I kind of knew that. Well, lucky for you, like we found out that this is actually really, really true. And, and a lot of the things that are being repeated out there are not. So that's been the journey. Right, it's, it's taking everything in me not to ask you to spill the tea. Right oh, now. I can spill some tea. I can totally <laughs> spill some tea. I was spell, spell a little give tea. It, will you what, give, what, yeah, what was give your us big an surprise? example of like one that was very surprising to you that's commonly reiterated in our community that, that really got knocked on its head. Okay. I'll give you two of them. And th- these are for like food nerds. I'm, I'm guessing that people, Brilliant. some of the people that listen to your podcast are food nerds. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Bring me the food nerdiness. <laughs> yes. People will like this. Okay. So there are a few folks who have repeated that 15% of calories from protein is sufficient. And they've invoked things like the, the quantity of protein in breast milk as a reason that it is, it, it, there are many different justifications for this idea that 15% of calories from protein is sufficient for pregnancy. We found absolutely no evidence to indicate that that was true. And in fact, a much higher intake of protein, 25 to 30% is much more optimal. That can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different ways to accomplish that. Not every, and at the same time, well, I'll go back to that in a second, but 12% is like the threshold for when observable ill effects have been studied and bumping that up by three percentage points. That is nothing. That's yeah. not enough. And well, and there's enough variation within that that you might not be hitting 15 when you think yes, you are based on yes. portion sizes and all sorts of things. A hundred percent. And the other thing, oh shoot, now I forgot because this is my mom brain. What else was I going to say about protein that I thought was really interesting? Ah, there's another myth. I'll give, so now I'm going to give you three things. So there's another myth floating around that has been repeated by someone that's very well respected in the ancestral health community that, um, protein aversion during pregnancy has something to do with the kidneys, not filtering nitrogen. That is also false. What we do know Mm. from the scientific literature that's pretty well agreed upon, like there's a pretty good consensus around that, is that this is kind of some sort of like ancestral um, resonance. That's probably not the right word. But way back in the day, meat was really, really vulnerable to spoilage. And it was probably one of the more dangerous things that you could eat as a pregnant human because it was the most vulnerable to pathogens. And the only reason that that kind of has held over, it has to do with who we were ancestrally. 
And the, and there are many things about our bodies that also have that resonance from thousands of years ago, but there's no evidence that protein is hard on the body or on the kidneys during pregnancy and that you need to limit it for that reason. And then for some reason, our body have, our bodies have food aversions to keep us from eating it. That's just, it has nothing to do with your kidneys. Dude, I'll be really honest, like with both of my pregnancies, I was really far outside the community of like whole foods and um, eating ancestrally and all all of these concepts have come after Mm -hmm. pregnancy and birth with both of my kids. And I look back at my pregnancy and it is so utterly confusing, like just dispelling some of these things, just the two things you've told us so far. I'm just like, I'm so excited for other women to have these kind of resources because from people that are actually like studying things, because I looked when I was, and I I'll be really honest, like I had a lot of issues when my second pregnancy that will take forever to talk about, but it was one of those things that I kind of gave up and I was just like, because my doctor was making things worse. Like all the things I tried for my doctor made everything worse. Um, and and it was like, I couldn't sleep at night. Like, I mean, it was, it was tangible things that I couldn't get past Mm -hmm. and I just kind of threw my hands up and I was like I mean I stopped taking prenatals because they were making me sick no matter what I tried yeah I get that I totally get it where it just becomes like I I'm what? damned if I do, what? damned if I don't. Like exactly, and, and like not, it made me not want to go to any of my appointments anymore. I totally just get like, that. Yeah, and, and okay, so this is kind of interesting. One of the things we also wanted to do is take some of the fear and stress away. Like we're busting these myths, but we're also like, so no big deal. Like protein shake if you need it. Yes, you get your protein in. Yes, no, no big deal. We're not, you know, asking people to weigh and measure. We're giving kind of one of the things we did was a really detailed rundown with using me as an example. 165 pounds, five foot ten. How much protein I would need and what that would look like. We showed people exactly how to calculate it. It would take you. 10 minutes using an online calculator and then you can ballpark moving forward. It's oh you're God. not turning a switch on or off when you hit 25% protein. It's just one of those things that spend a day processing in your brain what it might look like and then you can do your best to hit that as much as possible. So there yeah, are truths, taking the stress off is probably huge for pregnancy. 100%. Like there are there yeah. are things everybody we feel like needs to know, but above all what people need to know is to alleviate as much as much stress as is humanly possible. That's even more important than anything else. I, I honestly think that some of the um, issues I was having was stress induced. Absolutely. I, mean, I know there was more of it, but it was like I was losing my mind. Mm. <laughs> well, I, even from my perspective, like I come at it from a relatively keto framework going mm-hmm. into pregnancy. And so I knew I was going to need more carbohydrates during pregnancy. I had no, no doubt whatsoever. But part of that process was like letting go of that guilt that I felt Mm -hmm. because in the past I hadn't processed carbohydrates well. And then that entire first trimester was like protein aversion. Fats don't sound good. And Mm -hmm. all I want is carbs. That's all I want. And it, it was hard for me to reconcile that. But one thing that was really helpful for me was having some of that research at hand, knowing that, um, it was normal for me to have that protein aversion and not just like outside you know just in general pregnancy in general because we already knew about that right most people talk about that and understand it but it was kind of having an understanding of why that happens yeah seeing that it still happens to people who eat real food and work really hard on their preconception nutrition and all this stuff yeah so that was super helpful for me but man there was a point in my pregnancy in like towards the end of my first trimester was literally I was I was the one who was nauseous from sun up to sundown 
low level nausea, never vomiting, so there was no relief. Uh, it was it was I'm awful. So sorry. And it all went away at like 15 weeks. So I was really, really lucky that it didn't continue after that. But there was a point in my pregnancy where I was like having two like whey protein shakes a day. And if I could describe to you the guilt that I felt around that, knowing how my body usually processes dairy and being like, oh my God, I'm having whey protein and like mm-hmm. it, it, and I was just like, you know, it's a certain point. I'm just like, this is the only way I'm functioning and getting the amount of protein I know I need to feel feel good and yeah. like support baby development. Yeah. So number one, like it's totally normal to have food aversions. We can figure it out. Number two, just because you have a food aversion doesn't mean your kidneys are broken because you're pregnant. So <laughs> right. that was a relief for me to find out because of course you think, oh gosh, something's wrong with me because what I thought was going to happen is not happening. And I feel like there was a number three in there and now I totally forgot <laughs> what it was. I apologize for that. But one of the things, like you guys know, like, we come from a paleo ancestral framework. Cool. But at the same time, if the only thing that you can stomach is pizza, you've got some protein, you've got some fat, you've got some carbs right there. Just get some organic pizza and lay on the couch and eat it. It's fine. <laughs> I yes. ate so much pizza during my first trimester. So, I think it's a pizza and ice cream. <laughs> my opinion, That's why you're choices. laughing. You're good. Oh, like it was one of the only things that I really wanted during that entire period of time. So I figured out how to like make my own crust and I Mm -hmm. like froze it and I had it ready to go and it was gluten free and whatever because I just feel better that way. But man, there was there's a lot of grass fed mozzarella and individually portioned pizza sauce happening. Good. See, I knew none of this stuff. So I was like, like, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, and can I tell you my my cravings are really funny to me, especially because I was so like not in the realm of nutrition and like sourcing and anyway, my my first pregnancy it was straight up raw zucchini. You craved Don't, raw I, I've zucchini. Never, yeah, I would just slice up the zucchini and salt it, and it. I would eat like five zucchini a day. Okay, I'm a crazy person. I was crazy. Even afterwards, I was like, "What was that?" That and was weird. What my, was that? Uh, yeah, really. Like even now, I'm like, "That's I mean, like, but okay." Yeah, you don't but, make pickles out of you make pickles out of cucumber, not zucchini. Never mind. I was like, "Pickle." Well, I was working in the med spa through my first pregnancy, and the doctor was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I had my own cutting board, and I had a space in the fridge for my zucchini, and I was like, "Leave me alone. It's healthy." But my second one was oranges. Like I was obsessed with oranges. Huh. Like and I and I don't eat like those are not things that I really enjoy normally. And I was like, well, it could be worse. Yeah, it could could, <laughs> it could be, worse. be much worse. But I mean, but it was pretty. I was constantly visiting this really great Italian restaurant that was just downstairs from our med spa because we were on the second story of a really big outdoor mall. And it was like, I I all the time was just like, it did. I feel guilty all the time yeah. because I'm like. Oh, I know I should be having like a healthier meal and things like that. But <sighs> honestly, I was working full time. And a lot of times I was working more than like a 40 hour work week. Oh and I was just like, I was lucky I ate. I think a lot you of know? people that come to me are th- that type because that's the type I am, too. If I have a little bit of knowledge, I also have an extreme amount of guilt that comes along with any tiny bit of knowledge that I gain. And so and I think a lot like of people that better. come to the program are the same way. Yet, mm-hmm. think of all the people you know with beautiful, healthy, happy children that probably did not think about this a single time during any of their pregnancies. Yes. And that is true. And I don't think that we can ignore that. I think we need to remember that because stress is way worse than totally. anything else. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Even, even now, like, 
I'm like, what, five years postpartum with my second? And I'm just like, even stressed now. I just, whatever I can do to mitigate my stress and still make smart decisions, I can imagine is the smartest thing a pregnant woman can do. Is just live in your realm. But that's what's, honestly, I know I'm going to keep coming back to this. That's my favorite part about the idea of baby making and beyond is that there are so many people that can send their friends. Practitioners can send them. Like there's going to be so many people that are going to use this resource for stress relief. I hope so. (laughs) Because I get stress relief with research, to be honest. Yeah. I have a question for you about the program specifically. Yes. So I'm hearing I'm hearing this section called core four. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, so that's what we released to our our beta testers. So we have mm. content about fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum. And what's uniform across those three phases of life are the core four. So the core four is nutrition, exercise and movement, stress, and sleep. So those four things, Oh my gosh! it doesn't matter yes. where you're at. I mean, anybody, you could be like a 65 year old man and you probably still need the core four. It's <laughs> so true. just kind of more catered to a time of life where if we can, we want to optimize nutrition as much as we can and make the best choices possible and have a framework for that. So it's easy and not stressful. Mm-hmm. What's been challenging for me though, is that I feel like people come in and all they want is the nutrition, right? They just want to know what to go to the store and buy it's a challenge to get people to buy into the stress and the sleep and a little bit the exercise and movement because what we decided to do with that and we may we may modify that and add more as we go through this feedback period with our beta testers um we decided to focus on alignment kind of a la you know Katie Bowman and in mm-hmm. like the pelvic floor and core health that I don't feel like is quite talked about enough. I mean, we have people that are doing this work, but rather than kind of buy into that standard, like, got to maintain my weight, you know, I got to exercise when I'm pregnant, what's safe for me to do? I kind of wanted to leave that to the professionals, like to, to figure out whether their patients or their clients, what's appropriate for them exercise wise, because it just, it feels prescriptive to me in some ways to tell people what's safe and what's not safe and to ask people to build in some of this alignment and pelvic floor, um, stuff that I think a lot of, a lot of doctors are not talking about. I, most people don't even know that a pelvic floor physical therapist is a thing. Yeah. And that's another one that we're hopefully going to encourage people, um, to seek out. And so that's what we've done. We have a great episode with our, with my friend, Laurel Prue, who is a pelvic floor PT, and nice. it's like our best episode right now. Yeah, so it's obvious people want to hear it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I and, need to go listen um, to that. It's amazing how so you you'll love her, but it's amazing how how like unknown it is yeah. that it should be normal for people to have access to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Yes. Like you oh shouldn't wait until you have pelvic issues to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You should be seeing them to make sure everything is good to go yes. heading into pregnancy and then thereafter after the birth and like in that postpartum phase, because man, what's normal is often we're often not even coming from a normal place with our pelvic floor when yeah. we head into pregnancy. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I don't know who yeah, first said this, but Diane Sanfilippo, my podcast partner says this, that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. So a lot of people have these experiences and, Oh, you know, I pee when I jump rope and Oh yeah, she does too. And she does too. It just happens after you have a kid. Well, actually it might be because you have some, some issues with the pelvic floor. 
go see a pelvic floor physical therapist and, and see yes. what's up. I will tell you though, I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist. I had a C-section. So nobody even mentioned this to me because, you know, there's less of a likelihood probably that I would have pelvic floor issues after giving birth, having had a C-section. I've had to do a lot of work um, in recruiting my lower abdominals and working on feeling them again after major surgery. So that has been a really long road for me. But I still went to the pelvic floor physical therapist just to see um, because pregnancy, you know, causes a real increase in pressure in that area. And while everything checked out fine, I will say I had no idea that pelvic floor physical therapist did an internal exam. Sometimes... <laughs> more thorough than anything that happens at the gynecologist. So yes. just be prepared for that because well, I didn't and this know. Is, yes. We talked about this in the ep- episode, like what to expect in your pelvic floor exam. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Good. It's episode 20 if you want to catch it. I will. She even talks a little bit about um, scarring and how that can affect feeling. And I mean, this was really kind of an introductory episode, but you should, her Instagram is so good. You got to check out her Instagram. Okay, like, I can't she, wait. I'll connect she you does with her. really great. Yeah, she does great education. And she and I have had a couple conversations because I'll be real. We finished our recording and then Cassie and I both were like, can we ask you questions like, <laughs> about ourselves? I, like, <laughs> and to the point where I figured out that I have a bladder prolapse wow. that I didn't that I didn't know about. Like and I mean, the that led me to seeking out a practitioner and everything. But man, like I just asked her a few questions and she was like, mm, you need to get checked out for a bladder prolapse. Oh, like, my gosh. Um, life changing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. she even in her Instagram teaches you how to do like a um, <laughs> a self analysis of whether your floor is engaging or not. Uh-huh. She teaches that in her Instagram. And so I got down on the floor and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out. And I had this moment of like, I'm five years postpartum and I don't think my pelvic floor is engaging the way it should. Wow. Absolutely possible. 100% possible. What? Okay. That makes so much more sense with my workouts like so much and like my chiropractic care and like all these things that I'm just like why can't I like it just doesn't feel the same and yeah I had kids but you know I mean I think it's really great that you're touching on that too I think that's probably one of the things that and I even said it in the episode I'm like I feel like every woman should have chiropractic care covered they should have PT covered Mm -hmm. I mean same with lactation which is great because a lot of people already have that covered but it's like those are the things that postpartum care is just not it's kind of missing like yeah I hope we're leading the charge to change that. I, I really hope yes. so. I think it's I think yes. it's possible. We've seen how the food movement has changed the face of kind of like conventional, I don't know, you know, with all these big food companies being curious about Mark Sisson's primal kitchen and whatnot. I mean, I think th- change is happening, but I think it really does start, start in a grassroots way. I mean, we see it with the personal care industry stuff. I mean, stuff is changing. You see stuff at Walgreens now that says paraben free, which is incredibly interesting yeah. to me. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot to be said though about feeling overwhelmed as a mama when you realize that yes. like, your recovery requires an entire freaking team to take yes. care of you. Yeah. That was, I felt a lot of guilt around that. Like I didn't deserve it or, and, or, um, it wasn't necessary. Like I should just bootstrap this shit and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh, we can I cuss, right? Because I have enough knowledge to like you know figure <laughs> it out. Like I have access to all this stuff. But I was literally just like, oh my god! Like I need a physical therapist. I need a chiropractor. I need a lactation consultant. I need a doctor. I need a midwife. I need how much do I need? A how doula, many supplements? All the, you, and a you Maya said, abdominal therapist. A visceral oh manipulation gosh. therapist. Yeah. 
It's it can't. And when you're two weeks postpartum, you can't even figure out how to leave the house. Like no joke. Yeah. Let alone get more than a two hour nap in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Around the clock. Oh my gosh. Cool. So that was really overwhelming to me because I just felt like I I should you know all that shooting all over yourself that we yeah. all do. Um, it sounds is, terrible. I, it's it is <laughs> terrible, but like all of that guilt I felt about just needing a freaking care team because it's just never it's not the norm but it really should be is what I've learned over the last few years and I hope once it becomes normal more normal and I mean I think women are seeing lactation consultants it's a much more like you were I think you alluded to it's much more common now that women are seeking out lactation help so I hope as all of this stuff starts to become more normal it will feel more possible to new moms Mm -hmm. if it's just everybody's doing it and they figure it out then Hey, you call up your friend down the street and say, can I drop the baby off for an hour while I go, you know, get felt up by my pelvic floor physical therapist. <laughs> I was going to use a different word, least, but I think felt up is more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, cool. Well, I would love to hear just a little bit more. I know you'll have a couple more minutes, Liz, but, um, about like the team and the process of creating baby making and beyond as a program. Cause I know that you're diving in and you have a whole research team and it's been this big, big baby for you basically that yeah. you're just now birthing. And I think it's taken a lot to put that together and a lot of expert knowledge. So and it was kind of uncharted territory. Like I feel like we didn't really know how we were not a well-oiled machine from the start by any means. Um, and it's still unfolding, but at the same time we're getting a lot done. So that's, that's always good. Um, our research lead is Amanda Torres. She's from the curious coconut. She's amazing. I love her. She's so awesome. And she is so quick and so smart. And she also has, um, some personal history with fibroids and with reproductive issues. And so she was really thrilled to jump on the project. And I really like it when people who are involved are also have a personal stake in what's going on. And so I've had several moms. Um, Amanda is our research lead, so she's kind of the go-to. And then we've had several moms that have done kind of, I don't want to say contract topics. They're on the team, but they have done specific topics. So we've had um, a woman named Helen who was on the topic of iron and vitamin C. There was this thing floating around for the longest time about if you eat vitamin C with your meat or with your liver or your basically um, animal source of iron, that it would increase absorption. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. Like people that I really respected and that have big names in this community were saying that. And I was like, we got to find out the mechanism for this because it doesn't make sense to me. I know vitamin C enhances the absorption of iron from plants, but that's a completely different thing. And so Helen literally spent months delving into every single mechanism, how iron is metabolized in the body and the intestines, any topic that you could think of relating to iron she covered it. And the consensus was like, unless we're missing something, this is not a thing. So we probably didn't need to spend all that time and all that money figuring that out. But it was important to me that I could say with confidence that this is not a thing. So that's one example. And we've had, had several other moms working for us. Um, one of the gals who does a lot of recipe development for us is Jess Gertner from Hold the Space Wellness, and she's my favorite. 
So it's been really cool to bring people in um, and just have a bunch of moms working together on this stuff or, you know, a bunch of people with uteruses, uteri, <laughs> with uteri <laughs> all together because it, right. it matters. It matters to everybody whether you're having kids or not. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the well, original lo- question? <laughs> oh, it was just about like the, the process as far as like having a team and doing the research together, but I ah, think you gotcha. answered it. Okay. I do. Good. Dividing, so cool. dividing and conquering based on everybody's skill set yeah. and really being able to dive into specific topics that allow you to get like the real answers. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just so excited because I think, I think you're so right in what you said originally in the beginning of the podcast was just that you know, there's so much that's repeated in our community that's really not true. Mm-hmm. Like if I hear about things getting absorbed into the skin within however many seconds, one more time, I'm going to slap yeah. somebody because yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors involved in that, guys. Just saying. Proud that right? I have never Well, like getting absorbed, in, absorbed into the bloodstream. And I'm like, well, does the compound actually get absorbed into the like into the bloodstream it might not um so it's like it's i feel like there's so many things like that that are continually repeated and it's just so frustrating to see that keep happening in a space where we need to be really doing our due diligence to say only what we know is true and what we know is not or we're not sure about guess what it's okay to say you don't know right Yes. But and that's too. another thing we do in the program. We're like, hey, we're still working on this. Some of the stuff around vitamin A that popped up that we honestly didn't fully anticipate or understand. We're, we have made some recommendations and said, but we're still looking into this. This is ongoing. So that's something yeah. we had to learn to do as well. Yeah. I love that this is open-ended, that you're not just closing the book and being like, here's the complete no. theories. It's like science is never complete no. and it's always being analyzed and always changing. And Well, that's the beauty co- of creating an online program because now, yeah. you know, you've done the print thing in the past. I'm sure there's things you'd like to change. Yes. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> Especially now after doing all of this research. Yes. But, but within that, now you have a platform in, where you can, you know, not only educate, but say, Hey, this is what we found out. That's new. Yes. Change things, present more topics, more information as it moves along. So yes. And just by virtue so of awesome. the platform where you using an online program, it's really easily updatable. And that has already happened multiple times. So it's important to me that I'm able to send out an email to everybody and say, Hey, there's been a major update. You need to see this, go check it out. Versus like when you write a book, it's just out there. Like I can't go find all the people that bought my book and say, Hey, um, I might have different thoughts about vitamin A, you know? (laughs) I knew that was the one you were going to (laughs) mention. Oh, good. Vitamin A is really nuanced. It's it's fascinating. But yeah. I follow I follow a lot of your lead on that one because I feel like a lot of what I've learned and understood over the years has been kind of flipped on its head when I read what you write about vitamin A. A little a, bit. So. Well, and fat soluble yeah. vitamins in general. I think everybody was so excited about eating them again. Like, oh, I can eat egg yolks and and I should be eating liver because it's so full of X, Y, and Z. But then when you kind of back out and look at it with like a bird's eye view. Don't, you can't just look at the nutrition part and like, yes, we need this nutrient equals more is better. You have to look at, well, how often were people actually eating this when food was not available in the way it is now in this kind of artificial way? Not that often. And as well, is the nature of fat soluble vitamins. Was that? Yeah. I was going to say, and what was the portion of it in relation yeah. to the whole animal too? Yeah. How, how much more muscle meat does an animal have? Like a cow, for instance, versus liver matter in their body. It's, it's, yeah. 
It's, yep. it, it's always been there. Like, and I just never saw it. And then when we found some of this stuff about, um, in particular, this is, this is mind blowing. And I know we're about done here, but what really blew my mind and what kind of really showed me that we were on the right track with what we were doing with the research team is we found some information that suggested that liver in particular raised the, um, the, I don't, I don't know what the word would be the generation of potentially toxic vitamin A metabolites in the body more than the same amount of vitamin A from a supplement. So there's something about liver that's great, but there's also something about it that makes it a food that we really don't need to eat very much. And probably, in my opinion, probably not even weekly during pregnancy. And I know that's not what a lot of people in the ancestral health field are saying, but the tough thing about it is Vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin. So those of us, so for example, me taking cod liver oil and eating liver really helped me, I believe, heal my acne. But I probably didn't need to keep doing that every day for forever. Well, no, at vitamin A is point, stored. Exactly. So at a certain point, you've probably reached a threshold and you're good. That's what's really hard, though, because how are you supposed to know if you've gotten to that point or not? So I'm playing around oh, yeah. a little bit with nutrient testing to see what I learned there on myself. And we'll obviously put more information in the program as it is available. Yeah. Where do you That's like to go for nutrient testing for yourself? Well, I've done just the standard um, vitamin A test from request a test. But I mm-hmm. also just did the SpectraCell nutrient testing, which is kind of expensive, Um but they use a different means of assessing um, nutrient sufficiency. And I'm going to be, I'll be curious what the difference is between just yeah, the, the normal comparison. vitamin A test and the SpectraCell. So I'll let everybody Ooh. know. Yeah, I'm going to be dorking out about that with you. Yeah, I know sure. you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, please bring it. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, hun. I really Absolutely. appreciate you being here and sharing this awesome resource with everybody. So tell us when the next iteration of Baby Making and Beyond is planned for. We have been saying uh, <laughs> January 2019. I will probably Ooh. say a more realistic date is probably into February. Um, but if you folks can sign up for my email list or I'm sure... Um, Hey, hey, Cassie and G, do you guys want to be um, <laughs> like practitioner affiliates and yeah, let sure. people know when it comes even out? Even though I'm not a yep. Even though I'm like a skin practitioner, <laughs> it's still it's still good. It still counts. I'd be down. Yeah, I'd be talking about this all yeah, the time. More so, people need to so know. So you guys we'll, can let we'll your let people you guys know. know. Yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, spread the news. Yeah, this is important. <laughs> you guys oh, always that. nice to have affiliate agreements happen on air. Absolutely, and we want <laughs> you know we do want like we want people to not feel like in order to make money they have to create their own programs. Like, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. Like, so no. we we want to work with practitioners who want to refer people to the information while still being able to keep tabs on their people. Like, you know, people want to walk people through stuff. So we're hopefully going to give coaches the opportunity to use the information without just losing people down the river of, you know, online programs. So, well, and I think that's absolutely key because for me as a practitioner, when I jumped into my, into my practice and everybody was like, Oh, well, do you make meal plans? I'm like, no, here's a copy of practical paleo. Yeah. Go have at it. Like there's no point in me reinventing the wheel. Let me work on the stuff that you actually need me for. Yeah. This is, you know, it's painted a picture for you. 
And well, I think so, every practitioner needs a, a wheelhouse to pull from. And it's like yeah. just being able to have, I mean, there was many, many, many times where I was in the med spa world and people would want to talk to me about acne or they would talk to me about their PCOS they're dealing with. Cause I, I dealt with the treatment part of those things for people. And I was like, Oh, there's just so many things that I couldn't say because mm-hmm. it's outside my scope. But man, what have I killed to be like, go check this out. Go here. You should try that or look into that. Like yep. I didn't have those resources back then. And it's like, man, I would have killed to have those because yeah. so many women will come to me with things that would be so frustrating. Yeah. Well, any NTPs listening, like make sure you jump into checking this resource out from Liz, especially when they re-release it in the new year. And uh, it'll be in its probably second version of beta testing. <laughs> I think probably. <laughs> or full, we full we might need another round. Conversion. Yeah. Um, Sweet. But I'm just I'm so excited that this exists because I think it really is going to be such a wonderful resource for people who just, you know, we're seeing a bajillion recommendations and a million different directions, and we just don't know what's right and what's scientifically sound. And I think especially in our natural health community, this is absolutely needed because there's so much stuff out there that said that, you know, we have we have both ends of the spectrum, right? We have like the super crunchy, super, super natural. And then we have like the medical, like traditional medical community telling us and it's complete opposites what everybody is saying. And it's like, mm-hmm. isn't there somewhere in the middle where we can meet and get like the best of science and nature and yes. be in a good place. Yes, for sure. We did not start out with a with a position or an opinion. We sought out just to review everything we possibly could scientifically and figure out what was best, how we could reduce stress and just make people feel like they had a partner no matter what choice they were making. Yes. So you're telling me you practiced science. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Un- unbiased research. No way. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Oh goodness. What? I love it. Okay. So where where can everybody find you, Miss Liz? I'm most active on Instagram. So if folks want to search Real Food Liz or Liz Wolf on Instagram. i my handle is at Real Food Liz. And I'm most active over there. My DMs are on, so you can send me messages if you want to. She has oh, really fancy. cool workouts. <laughs> I'm so inspired by your consistency in your workouts. I'm like, oh Thank you. I love how consistent you are. Well, I had to set that up in a very intentional way in order to actually show up. I've said many times to the trainer that I work with, if I wasn't working with you and you weren't waiting for me to show up, I would not have come. Yeah. Girl, yeah. I am a major, am so excited to do that. major obliger when it comes to yep. my workouts. Yep. Oh, girl. All right. Well, find Liz over at Real Food Liz on Instagram, realfoodliz.com got some great blog posts up there about skincare and all things baby stuff and then at the podcast balance bites podcast with diane and philip or her podcast co-host so she's everywhere everywhere thanks guys thank you yeah thank, thank you. you thank you thanks for joining us today on this episode of rebel heart radio you can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com or you can hop on our instagram you can ask us anything we love to get to know you guys Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Give her a hot. I always think of, I don't even know what movie that is from. Lilo and Stitch. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I give her a ha and a haya. Oh my God. That is the first time and probably the only time I'm ever going to get Cassie on recording talking about a Disney reference. <laughs> Just well, The most hilarious part is most of my exposure to Disney movies outside the, like 
my very young adolescence because once I reached like the age of 12 I was like who even watches Disney movies anymore come on um because I'm that person not very fun (laughs) just really serious all the time but it was Josh (laughs) only Shawshank Redemption and Mystic River ever (laughs) so much (laughs) that's it oh my word you are an amazing human being well I don't think I really thought it through (laughs) 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 so 